This is Reverend Charles Fenson. I'm the interim pastor at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant in Costa Mesa, California. This is the morning worship service. Our address is 2850 Fairview Road, Costa Mesa, California, 92626. Our website is pccov.org, and our Facebook page is pccov. And our email is info at pccov.org. We welcome you to this service. Our vision statement is that the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant is a Christ-centered community set free by grace and placed in our neighborhoods to serve and to invite all people into a wondrous relationship with God. God bless you as you worship with us. Good morning, people of God. Good morning, friends in Christ. Welcome to worship. Welcome to the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant here in Costa Mesa. Mesa. We are halfway through Lent, this fourth Sunday in Lent, and we welcome you. Are there visitors that we may introduce and bless 
and thank them for being with us, all friends amongst us. Please sign the friendship books and pass them along. We might have record of your worship. We might greet you. Uh, The announcements are there for you in your bulletins. Um, All the Bible and book studies continue this week. Uh, Lunch Bunch at the Black Bear Diner in Santa Ana on Wednesday at noon. We continue our Lenten quiet nights on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. over in uh, room 5 off of Fellowship Hall, followed by a simple supper. Are you shedding your closets from extra clothing? Lenten bags. Don't bring those bags in, please, until the 28th. Hold those bags. You're supposed to take a piece of clothing every day in Lent. That's how many days? 40 days. 40 pieces of clothing in those bags. Or more. Or more. Uh, Framing Day for Habitat for Humanity is this Saturday, April 6th. And there is a concert, uh, my, at Carnegie Hall. Oh, no, this is at the Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach. (laughs) But you will be in Carnegie Hall. That's right. But this week's concert is April 6th, 6 p.m. at Liberty Baptist Church in Newport. And I have flyers on this. See, Phyllis, others for um, our chorale. Other announcements to make at this time. Did I get everything? Oh, next Sunday, potluck. Bring something to share. We'll be over in Fellowship Hall. And uh, if you don't bring something, I will always bring a big, big salad. Yes, yes. So my brother John the Baptist is in the final chapters of his life, and so I will be flying up uh, next Monday, tomorrow night, and I will be up there all week long, uh, back on Saturday night, and Pastor Sharon will take any pastoral concerns. Uh, Amy was going to preach this morning, but her beloved dog Spice passed away early this morning, so she's... Uh, lamenting that, so we gave her a personal day off. And since every elder and every deacon should have a sermon up their sleeve, (laughs) oh, 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 I found one. I found one. So we're all good. We're all good. Let's stand and say hello to our neighbor in Christ. Welcome to worship. Gather our hearts and spirits now as we prepare to worship and we will ask our choir to call us into worship with the choral introit.
for the responsive call to worship. Happy are those whose sin is forgiven and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Therefore, let all who are faithful offer prayers to the God of Return to the Lord your God, for God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Let us worship God. Shall we pray? Gracious God, in order that the people of the earth might discern good from evil, you sent your Son to be the light of the world. As Christ shines upon us, may we learn what pleases you and live in all truth and goodness through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us sing our morning hymn of praise, A Mighty Fortress is Our God.
seated. May we have all the boys and girls and youth and young at heart come on up. Good, young at heart. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. What did you do yesterday? Do you remember yesterday? (laughs) I took a hike in the Santa Monica Mountains. You ever take hikes? Yeah? And we were hiking and hiking and hiking and hiking, and we came to a spot with a bench, and we rested, and on the back of the bench it read, rest and be thankful. Isn't that nice? Rest and be thankful. So we are halfway through Lent, fourth Sunday in Lent. Lent has been a time where we've focused our minds and hearts on Jesus and his final days. And uh, Martin Luther, who wrote that hymn, and by the way, do you know who the greatest detective of the Reformation was? Martin Sluther. (laughs) So when Martin Luther lived, this fourth Sunday of Lent was called Rejoicing Sunday. It's a Latin word, Latere Sunday, and it meant that the monks got extra beer and they relaxed because Lenten was so long and hard, the church put in this day, Rejoicing Sunday, which is the only Sunday you can sing Alleluia in some traditions in Lent. So we can rest and be thankful. Anybody going through tough times? Tough times. There are times in those tough times that we can say, Lord, thank you for what I have, and not I'm sad because I don't have what I want. You've given me life and friendship and health and this congregation, so we are going to rest, Everly. Oh, whose glasses are those? Are those your glasses, Carol? Okay. Mm -hmm. And today we are saying goodbye temporarily to Carol. She's going back to Fort Worth, Texas. So we thank Carol for being with us these many Sundays. I just want to say thank you. You are so sweet. This church is so precious to me. I'll be returning probably once or twice a year to visit my daughter and grandson son-in-law, and I will make sure that I come to this church and tell everybody in the neighborhood about it. Just continue to keep the Holy Spirit alive in this church, and may God bless each and every one of you. Thank you, Carol. Thank you. God bless you. So we are thankful for Carol and for others who are resting and being thankful with us, and so I remind you on this Rejoicing Sunday to sing Alleluia and be thankful, and have a jolly rancher. Because this is Rejoicing Sunday, right? 
So let's fold our hands and bow our heads and pray. Lord, we are grateful for this Sunday that we can rest in the middle of Lent and be thankful for the joys and the happiness and the gifts that you give us. Help us to dwell on the um, positive things in our lives and not think so much about things that we don't have, but what you have given to us. But we thank you most of all for you, the giver of all good and perfect gifts. So we bless you and we rejoice with you in this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys.
How great is our God indeed. The proof of God's amazing love is this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Because we have faith in him, we dare to approach God with confidence. In faith and penitence, let us confess together our sin before God and one another. O God, our rock and redeemer, hear our confession. We worship idols of our own making. When temptation overtakes us, we submit to its charm. We find it easier to grumble at hardships than to praise you for mercies we receive day by day. We test you in every way. Yet you promise that you will not test us beyond our endurance. Forgive us when we take advantage of your loving nature and restore us to communication with you. Amen. Paul reminds us that he counted everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, his Savior. Through Christ came the righteousness from God based on faith, not personal attainment. From faith came the promise of resurrection from the dead. Friends, forgetting what lies behind, let us press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Therein lies our assurance that we are forgiven.
Amen. Our first scripture lesson is taken from Genesis chapter 21. Let us listen for God's word to us. The child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because he was concerned it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bowshot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. As she sat there, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. Our New Testament lesson is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10. Jesus said, The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. 
For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Living God, help us so to hear your holy word that we may truly understand that understanding we may believe, and believing we may follow in faithfulness and obedience, seeking only your honor and glory in all that we do, through Christ our Lord. Amen. We come today to the third and final sermon of our three-part mini-series, just slightly off the uh, lectionary readings. You remember... Of course you do. We looked two weeks ago at discerning Abraham from Genesis 12, the story of God and of God's first call to Abraham and Sarah to a new land and a new and great nation. That story was followed last Sunday by Isaac's ministry in Genesis 18, the mysterious episode of the three visitors to Abraham and Sarah in the heat of the afternoon announcing the birth of a coming son, Isaac. This section of the Bible in Genesis 21 begins with the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham and Sarah that God would make of them a great nation. A son was to be born to them in their older years, and that son's name was Isaac, the Hebrew word for laughter. As Sarah laughed, when she first heard in her advanced age that she would give birth and her neighbors and friends would come to laugh with them for joy at Isaac's birth. Yet in the midst of that joy, there were shadows for shadowing sadness. Another son was born of Abraham by this time Hagar, the Egyptian. Hagar was part of Abraham's harem. This Genesis 21 story is a tough text to preach and hear because it seems to approve of Abraham's harsh treatments of Hagar and her son Ishmael. We may at first read this text and believe that this is a story of grave injustice. But the writer of Genesis 21 had a different perspective The story has been given to us an example of God's mercy, of God's mercy. And for our thoughts today, let's notice three gifts that Hagar, by God, had received and certainly put into practice. So the story begins with a ring of authenticity. This is a patriarchal society. We are in the ancient Near East. It's the second millennium before Christ. Abraham is a senior male figure. He exercised life and death authority over the members of his family. Sarah was the queen of the harem. 
Thus she was able to wield influence over Abraham that Hagar could not. And one day Sarah sees her son playing outside with his half-brother Ishmael. Ishmael is the older son and with jealousy toward Hagar and with fear that the older Ishmael might someday lay claim to the patrimony that could exclude young Isaac, Sarah goes to Abraham and demands that Hagar and Ishmael be turned out to the desert to die. This is one of these texts of terror that biblical scholars speak about in measured tones. We learn these Old Testament stories as children, and I can see in my mind's eye my mom looking out our kitchen window as I played in our backyard in La Cañada, or as we called it, our backyard, would mom send away my best friend Stan Kelly as Sarah sent Ishmael away. So Hagar and Ishmael departed, and the narrator goes with them, which is another way of saying that God went with them. Remarkable piece of Jewish literature here that God went with Hagar and Ishmael. In time, water runs dry. Provisions are gone. We read that Hagar places Ishmael under the shade of a bush, walks a hundred yards the distance of a bowshot, for she could not watch her child die before her eyes. Hagar lifts up her voice and weeps. Intriguingly, the text says that God hears the voice of the boy, Ishmael. And on that day, God honored the promise that God made to Sarah and Abraham that God, through Abraham and Sarah, would be a blessing to all families. Abraham and Sarah would be the patriarch and matriarch of not just one, but now two nations. So today, the Arab view that Abraham is the father of both Jews and Arabs has our own biblical authority. What are Hagar's gifts to us? Certainly, the first gift that Hagar had was courage. She willingly and courageously obeyed the command of Abraham and leaving behind Sarah to leave home And in leaving, she and Ishmael faced exposure and death. Where is God asking you for the gift of courage? Or at least inquiring about where you may be courageous this week. Making a decision. Giving forgiveness to one who has wronged you. Doing the right thing. Where will you be courageous? Hagar was also given the gift of compassion. The text said she lifted up her voice and wept. I wonder if she left her son under the bush, not so much that she would be spared of agony watching her son die, but he would be spared of agony of a prolonged death as Hagar, if present, would do everything to save him. Maybe you have the gift of compassion. You can weep with those who weep. 
To whom is God asking that you offer compassion this week? A spouse, a co-worker, a neighbor, a grandchild? Courage, compassion. Finally, Hagar had the gift of what Paul was later to name the gift of helps. We would call it the gift of change. God heard or she heard Hagar's voice through the angel. The promise came, I will make of him a great nation. God opened her eyes. She saw a well, and Hagar went. She went and filled the skin with water. She gave the boy a drink. And remarkably for a piece of ancient Hebrew literature, and God was with the boy. Hagar saved the boy, raised him to manhood, maybe taught him to hunt with a bow, Who else in the household would do that but Hagar? And finally, action-gifted mother Hagar procured a wife for him who, like Hagar, was an Egyptian. Hagar was gifted with helps, with change. Who needs your help right now? So these are the gifts of Hagar. Courage, compassion, change. Where is God calling you this week to help change? Are your gifts like Hagar's? If so, use them for others in encouragement, in cheerfulness, in generosity. Now, if you thought our Old Testament lesson in Genesis 21 was a tough text, what about our New Testament reading from Matthew 10? This is a scripture that depicts a dire role for the followers of Jesus. Trials, suffering, betrayals, threats, even death. What are modern readers to do with such words? Most of the time, I suppose, we keep these words at a great distance from us. These words of warning may have been true of one particular group of disciples at a particular time, say the end of the first century, but not really relevant to our life in North America at this point in the 21st century. Yet, it is important to listen to this conversation, eavesdrop, if you will, as Matthew conveys our Lord's charge to his disciples. We can't preach all these weighty words in Matthew 10. We'll simply look at the final verses. Can you scroll down to those final verses? Or maybe I can. There we are. Cool. In the final section, just before these verses, Jesus is warned against peace. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother. Our Lord is actually quoting the prophet Micah, where there is a bleak description of what life is like for the people of Judah when all the righteous have perished and all productive social relationships have come to an end. Then, said Micah, when all goodness is gone, sons and fathers, daughters and mothers will be in strife. Jesus turns that quote on his head to say, conflict is coming when the gospel is preached. Garrison Keillor tells the story of a Lutheran bishop who loses his roadmap and ends up in Lake Wobegon. And he discovers, to his surprise, that there is a church there. The bishop didn't know that there was a church and a pastor under his care, so he called on the pastor and asked how long he had served the parish, and Pastor Inkvich said 30 years. 
And the bishop was flabbergasted and said, I'll have you to move you to another congregation because any pastor who preaches in a church for 30 years doesn't preach the gospel of Martin Luther any longer. They soften the word and they end up preaching the gospel of Rogers and Hammerstein. <laughs> My dad was a preacher for 34 years in one place. So the good news, if the gospel is truly heard and faithfully followed, that good news will have some consequences, tough consequences. For example, if we love our husbands or wives or daughters or sons or brothers more than God, more than Christ, said Jesus, we are not worthy followers. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. That applies not only to the things we least love, but sometimes to the things we most love or to the people we most love. When we were children at Christmas, we loved our gifts. When we became adults, we loved the giver. So to be followers of Jesus, we love God first, and secondly, your gifts from God, like jobs, health, even your family, second to God. And finally, Jesus concludes to what must have been astonished disciples and surprised Costa Masons and, what do you call yourselves, Huntington Beachers? He said, those who find their life will lose it. If in this life alone we have life, if this is it, if we find value only in our jobs or nationality or even in our dear family, if in this life alone is life, Jesus said, we will lose our lives. But if we lose our lives for Christ's sake, if we open our hands and give life away, if we lose our life for the gospel we will find true life. So Hagar experienced hardship, but she displayed courage and compassion and a willing spirit of change. And Jesus said one day to frightened and forgetful disciples, follow me and me only, and you will find life. This is the gospel on this March 31st, 2019. For the grass withers and the flower fades, but the promises of our God abide forever. Amen. So Amy picked a hymn for this morning. And what hymn is that? Trusting Jesus. Let's stand as we sing together.
please be seated. We have heard the good news preached to us. We now respond in faith by waiting on you for our morning tithes and offerings. We'll ask our ushers to please come forward.
Hearing the words to the song that was just sung, throughout the week there have been people facing crises and overwhelmed and things going on in their lives, and yet for every one of those stories I have been aware of the people that have come alongside as Charles preached in compassion and caring. And that's what it means to be God's family. So pray with me. Oh God, your hand is seen in the coming of spring, in the rain and in the sunshine. We see you in the smile of a friend as well as in a beautiful sanctuary. We hear you in the chirp of a bird as much as we do in the magnificent sound of the choir. Help us be aware of your presence, that it will change our lives, that it will make our burdens lighter, our way easier, our hopes stronger, and our sense of love deeper and more secure. As God's people called to love one another, let us pray for the needs of the church, the whole human family, and all the world. We pray for our government, for the president and other leaders. Pray that they may be focused on the most important issues that face our country and that they govern with honesty and decency and caring. May votes be fair and made with the common good in mind. Give us all mutual respect and love for one another. We give thanks that ISIS is considered to be defeated. We pray that that may be so, and that this group is kept from resurfacing again with all of their evil acts. We pray for Syria, that peace may come. Compassionate God, we pray for those who are here and those who cannot be with us who are in need, those in need of companionship, of healing, of reassurance, or even of a reason for living. We pray for all who are in need of prayer, that they may not bear their burdens alone. Be with those fighting cancer. Be with John Svensson and his family. 
Give them the peace and comfort of your presence. Be with Karen Almanza as she goes intensive therapy for her skin cancer. Then be with Mike Blackwell's mother, Vera, and her slow recovery from surgery. As Nora Anderson goes into surgery tomorrow to repair the bones that were broken in her face, we pray for your guidance of her surgeon's hands and for successful surgery. Be with all who are hurting. And this morning we remember, we pray for Sandy Hughes, Sandy Madsen and her family at the sudden death of her brother last evening. So be with that whole family. Give them your comfort and peace. Give to each whom we bring to mind according to their need. We give thanks for those who reach out to friends in need, those who are present to be your touch, your hands, your arms, your love, that those who are hurting know you are with them. Continue to take us to places where people hurt and we can help. With your spirit to guide us in our worship, reminding us that you are never far from us. Help us become the disciples Christ would have us be. Attune our lives to the intent of the commandments that we may love you with heart, soul, and mind and be enabled to love our neighbors as ourselves. We pray in the name of Jesus, who made such love possible, and who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now would you please rise as we sing that wonderful old hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit rest and remain with each one this day, this night, in the season of Lent and forevermore. Amen. This is Pastor Charles Fenson again, and we invite you at any point to come and worship with us here at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant in Costa Mesa. We trust that God has been honored by this worship service and that you have been blessed. God be with you. <laughs> 